If every time you approach that door and you interact with it incorrectly, if you push where it should be a pull or push where it should be uh, uh, or vice versa, um, it's not your fault. And you should not feel bad or stupid that you cannot interact with the door. It's the door designer's fault. The C4L podcast is brought to you by Freshworks. Freshworks' vision is to enable companies and organizations of all sizes to nurture, acquire, and support customers for life. I'm Alan Bergson, and together we'll explore topics that give you the building blocks to better prepare your company to engage with your stakeholders. That is, your employees, your partners, your prospects, and yes, your customers. The C4L Podcast, helping you build the trust necessary to earn customers for life. Welcome to the C4L Podcast. I'm Alan Berkson, and my guest today is Daniel McClure. Daniel is IT manager at Warby Parker. He is also a big fan of gummy bears, pickles, and hot sauce. But he put a question mark after the hot sauce, so I'm not sure that he's really committed to the hot sauce. Welcome uh, to the podcast, Daniel. <laughs> Thank you very much, Alan. Uh, I just wanted to make sure uh, to note that uh, I, not, I don't enjoy all three of those simultaneously. Uh, it's, it's kind of like, uh, that, uh, that triangle where you can only have two of the three. So maybe like pickles and gummy bears are good, but, uh, pickles and hot sauce are definitely, uh, quite enjoyable at times. Fantastic. Well, so I, am a big fan of Warby Parker. I'm wearing my Warby Parkers right now. Um, just for those of us, for the, for my listeners who don't know, just can you give people just a quick overview of, of what Warby Parker is, who you are, what you stand for? What yeah. you bring to the world? Yeah, um, we um, we want to completely overhaul the uh, eyewear industry as it stands. Um, we are a direct consumer um, eyewear uh, manufacturer. Uh, we remove all of the middlemen that are typically in, involved in in getting a pair of glasses into someone's hands, which uh, drastically decreases the uh, cost to the customer um, and maintains the same level of quality that you would see across the board, if not higher in some uh, instances. Um, we also uh, have a, a, a big partnership with a, a nonprofit uh, where when you buy a pair of glasses, Warby Parker will donate the amount of money that it costs to manufacture a pair of frames uh, to this nonprofit um, that travels around the world and uh, gives people, uh, allows people to, um, to see uh, by providing them with eyewear. Wow. <clears throat> That's something I did not know. Today I learned. It's it's so, similar to to the Tom's uh, buy a pair give a pair yeah so that's what I was thinking about and and I think another thing that's that's highly relevant because that was my experience is uh, if you're if you happen to be stuck working remotely uh, or sheltered in place um, I never actually saw anybody or met anybody from Warby Parker in the entire process of me uh, trying on acquiring and uh, and everything with my glasses. Yep. And we're still fully operational. We are, uh, we are providing medical devices to people. So we are an essential business. So the production facility that's about 15 minutes away from my house right now is in full swing. Fantastic. So one of the things I want to, one of the things, the main thing I want to talk about is a concept that you introduced me to. I had never heard it before. And it's, uh, as you've, as I've heard you say, it's, it's a, it's a core driver a core uh ethic that 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 you that by this whole concept of norman doors mm. 
and how that impacts how people, you know, it's, it's design of everyday things. So let's first, if you could tell people what a Norman door is, and then I really want to take into how that, what that means for you and what that, and, and, and how you, you know, cause you're an IT service delivery, but you work for a company that also, I think, puts design at, at, at the core and at the front of what it works on. Yeah, yeah, and that's really resonant um, throughout uh, our entire org. So the, the the idea of a Normandor, right? This is this is kind of uh, when I when I kind of stumbled upon uh, the 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 concept and and uh, what a Normandor was. It really resonated true with me. Um, there is a, an individual, Dr. Don Norman, author of uh, Design of Everyday Things, um, has held um, many different seats across many technology companies. I think he was he was um, a, a fairly senior member of like Apple Design for a while. Um, he uh, spent some time over in the UK and he found that among a lot of the frustrations that he had uh, were the 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 like outstandingly terrible design of doorways in the UK um, and and how this can kind of be uh, more more specifically is um, a door that you approach uh, and have no idea how to interact with that door to to just swing it open or or, or interact with it and move through this door um, so. Uh, as human beings, we typically rely on a lot of visual cues or visual indicators as to how to interact with something. So um, as you approach a door, if you were to see um, a bar that you could grab, your natural instinct would be to grab that bar and pull it. Uh, if you're approaching a door and you see the hinges are facing you, uh, you would it would indicate that that door would open toward you. Um, if there's a hand plate uh, or uh, uh, that uh, at the at the seam of a door, you would assume that you would put your hand there and push through it. Uh, and he realized that he would approach a door that had a bar and it would not be a pull, it would be a push. Or there would be no other visual indicators as to how to move through this door. Uh, it was very confusing. There would be a, a doorknob that you would turn and then uh, push through instead of pull. And, you know, these are the kind of things that as humans, we're, we're so used to interacting with um, everyday things that uh, when when the visual indicators of something as simple as of a door uh, are are not present uh, or not indicative of how to operate with it, it creates a lot of friction um, and actually makes you feel dumb. So if you, every time you approach a door and it could be at the supermarket, it could be at an office building in your own office building to get into a conference room. If you, if every time you approach that door and you interact with it incorrectly, if you push where it should be a pull or push where it should be, uh, uh, or vice versa, um, it's not your fault and you should not feel bad or stupid that you cannot interact with the door. It's the door designer's fault. It's how that door is built. Uh, it's the responsibility of those individuals to make sure that they're designing the door and putting the visual indicators in place so that as you approach the door, it's this very organic, like non-thought, uh, or uh, I'm sorry, uh, like subconscious process where you're right. able to move through that door without a break in anything. You can hold conversation, you hold your pace, you don't have to like switch your lunch to a different arm if, you, if you're carrying it through into another part of the office. You should be able to move through these doors without any thought whatsoever. So I took that 
concept and I applied it to computers. Um, I, being a forever computer nerd, have certainly run into plenty of my own issues interacting with Windows, Mac OS, Linux, whatever it is, you throw it at me. I've, I've touched it. I've played with it. Um, and the, the thing that is always, uh, I love tinkering. I love fixing things, but that's not true for everybody. You know, a lot of people, they come into work, they sit in front of their laptop and they would just like to, um, get their work done. They want to be as productive as possible and be that really like good con- contributing member, uh, to that organization. Um, but what I've found is that a lot of the like stigma that kind of, uh, comes with IT is that IT is is there to kind of create all of these blockers for <laughs> policy and process and security and right. and and everything and um, I just don't believe that to be true or I it's not that I don't believe that to be true I think there's like this old guard of IT that that uh, has this like mentality of of being that like those gatekeepers. Um, but I think that with the technology that we have in front of us today, we can kind of like break through those boundaries and create this like really amazing experience with computers. And computers are amazing devices. They're they're incredibly powerful. They're fast. They're light. Um, they can do everything from mad queries in Excel to uh, playing you know PUBG or Fortnite or or um, whatever the the new hotness is there. And you can do that all from one box. You know. You don't, you don't necessarily have to have specific devices for each. Um, you can buy kind of an all-in-one uh, laptop or desktop and, and do have the same functionality. Um, so why not utilize that power um, and utilize the, the um, you know, Core i9 with 64 gigabytes of RAM MacBook Pro uh, to really like open up the individual's productivity? Right. No, the, there's a core principle uh, when I think about customer for life or even just customer service is if there's something, if you're calling me with a customer service query, it's because you couldn't do what you were supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, I, <laughs> and so, so basically, I want to get you back. To, not only do I want to get you back to doing what you were doing before you called me, you're, you know, the, the, side, the, the concept of a Normandor says... I should be. I shouldn't even have put you in a position where that 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 happened. It's my obligation as the, in this case, the IT deployment person or the person who's in, in charge of helping you with technology or, or giving you the technology used to do the job to make sure that it's seamless and almost invisible to what it, what you're trying to accomplish. Does that make sense? Yeah, we should. IT should be able to enforce security, uh, enforce process, enforce uh, different different barriers that are all running in the background, but those barriers should not impact the end user's productivity. I have a, a really great story. I'll, I'll try to get through it um, relatively quickly. This was within my first six months at Warby Parker. Um, so we have a, a customer experience team. So anytime you have an issue with your glasses, you call in or and they'll help you with their order, your glasses, whatever it may be. Um, and you, you talk to someone who um, is either uh, in New York or Nashville. Um, at the time, we were all headquartered in, in New York. Um, and I was standing very close to one of our customer experience associates. And they were on the phone with a customer. And the Warby Parker uh, customer experience associate said, I'm really sorry, my system is slow. 
uh, over the phone to one of our customers. And I flash back <laughs> to all of these times where I would, I would be on hold for like 20 minutes and I'd talk to someone and then they transfer me to someone else. And that person would lose my case and I'd have to re-explain the entire situation. And then as they're looking at my account, they're like, I'm sorry, my system is, is, uh, slow. And I realized at that moment that it was my job to never, uh, to, to, to do my job so well that the individuals consuming my product, which is use of their computers, were never inhibited. They, they never had to say to a customer, I'm sorry, my system is slow. Um, there's, there's a lot of uh, exterior factors to that, of course, but everything that was within my reach, uh, I, I wanted to make sure that there was never an issue uh, that would, that would uh, have one of my uh, customer experience associates stating, stating those words. Well, and that, that that has a dual impact. And, you know, if I think about customer for life, there's the employee experience and there's a customer experience. That experience is not only frustrating for the customer who has to wait to get their problem resolved, but that employee, that's not what they wanted. They want to solve the problem. They're, they're, so you've just inconvenienced two people with one instance of non, uh, of, of, of one, one failure, I guess. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, that's, it, it really resonates, especially as we moved into the brick and mortar uh, space. If, if uh, the people in person uh, in a retail store are, are having um, a technical issue and they have slow transactions or their, their point of sale is slow, um, that immediately translates to uh, a, a, uh, a decreased customer experience because um, we can always kind of like get through it together, of course, but we don't want to have that. We want to provide a best in class experience for everybody. And it's not just uh, our external customers, you know, it's, it's our internal people as well. Well, the, the thing that comes to mind for me, and you, you, uh, you, you started out by insulting us old school IT people in the beginning of the call, but I won't, uh, in the podcast, I won't, I won't hold you for that. But th there is something to be said for, back in the day, there was technology that was, was dictated from high, and the business outcomes and the alignment with, 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 with employee experience was not there. I mean, I've used the, the, the green screens and the, and, the, and, and, the, and the difficult hardware. It seems like Warby Parker is, is not only thinking about business outcomes when, from a technology point of view, but the entire experience chain from employee to the, and to the customer to the, that entire value delivery. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, we one of our one of our sub core values at Warby Parker is designing with empathy, uh, and I mean this kind of like resonates back to like the Norman doors, where everything that we're doing internally um, it reflects somehow uh, through the chain. Um, I was <clears throat> recently having a, a conversation with. Um, this is kind of like a shameless plug, but I was having a conversation with, um, I, I think it was like the CEO of our, of the nonprofit that we work with. And, you know, the question was posed, like, what do you think about like your competition uh, and Warby Parker's competition in, in particular? And what I said was there are certainly, you know, companies out there that are 
offering eyewear at like a reduced price, but what is the, what is the like supply chain on that? And are like, like, are there people along the way that are, are potentially suffering, you know, are, are there customer experience uh, associates, like where are they headquartered? What are their, what are their jobs like, you know, um, what right. are the manufacturing facilities behind that? Like, so it's, it's, it's not as like human uh, um, uh, impactful, but if you take that same principle and you look at how you're doing something as simple as having people authenticate into their identity provider or their single sign on, and you're removing all of these barriers, then what is that like chain of, what is the chain of interaction where, you know, I'm providing you a service, I'm providing you something that you can sign into and then magically be signed into everything else. And then that immediately translate to, translates to a good experience um, with our internal team, which like puts them in a good mood and they're not frustrated and saying, oh, I have to like call IT on this or, oh my gosh, my computer's not working again or something like that. And then that immediately, you know, that joy or that, um, that uh, lack of stress rather um, translates immediately onto the product that they're delivering and whether they're on supply chain or whether they're on finance or customer experience and have, you know, direct external customer relations, it, it, it really um, resonates like throughout the company. And I think, you know, I, I'm not going to say it's because of me, but I would say I'm a contributing factor <laughs> to having a very positive office experience, right. you know? Um, so yeah, everything that we push out to whomever our customers may be internal or external, you know, is, is designed with that end user experience in mind. So Daniel, what is that, what is the feedback loop that you have, or what's the mechanism that you use to make sure that you're staying aligned in, t- in terms of your and you, not only your end user experience in terms of internal employees, but your customer. I mean, how, how do you gauge that? How do you measure your success? How do you see where, you know, where you need improvement? We, yeah, we, um, <clears throat> we look at, uh, our, you know, being, being it, we do have a, a portion of our, our team that's working on, uh, support related items. Um, and, uh, NPS is, has been a, a very good indicator. Um, what I've, what I've seen is that, um, Unlike the rest of the internet, it seems as though people are either one of two things. We're doing an amazing job and nobody's uh, giving us like poor MPS uh, or uh, people are not reporting like their pain points. Um, I'm going to go with the the first one uh, where like we're just doing that amazing of a job. So, um, <laughs> you know, our MPS is, is high. I definitely review um, any kind of like detractors that come in uh, to see like where you know, where the miscommunication or, um, where things, uh, potentially broke down. Um, and, uh, you know, I think that translates out into what other teams are, are what other team metrics are. So for, for instance, and I keep going back to customer experience, um, they have a lot of metrics around, around, um, uh, around MPS as well. And if those teams are able to provide an excellent customer experience with this, like using the technology that IT is providing to them, then we have directly contributed to that team's NPS. Uh, supply chain has order lead time. How long does it take to get a pair of glasses uh, from order into somebody's hand? Uh, I'm in charge of all of the technology 
that's involved uh, in placing that order and fitting the lens into a frame, uh, the the hardware that they're using to then scan the order in and then get it shipped out. Uh, so uh, that that's something that directly translates into uh, hitting their target order lead time. Um, and whether it's scaling up and getting them, you know, eight printers that are churning out, you know, 1500 jobs an hour or uh, getting them a workstation that that's properly specced. These are all things that kind of contribute it up into that like positive experience. I imagine over time that you set a level of expectations within your organization that they're not going to that they're not going to have norm doors, that things are going to work the way they expect so to the level to the point where if it does if it doesn't work it's a it's a surprise meaning if you talk to enough IT people and I talk to a lot of IT people and I talk to people who use technology and it's you joke about it's a joke that oh yeah this didn't work yeah we're waiting for the you know, this to happen I'm waiting to get fixed so there's this a negative connotation but if you're it seems like the culture you've you've established is that people are surprised if it doesn't work smoothly and so you probably get a feedback so instead of the feedback somebody getting crazy angry it's like hey wait this didn't work right can can somebody help me with this is that accurate yeah we we don't typically have a lot of angry people coming after us uh which is which is always you know very good um i think that we do a good job at at setting expectations and yeah we've been able to deliver uh, a high level of service um since i've been with the company and i i just celebrated my six-year anniversary uh in april so um i i think we've certainly had a lot of areas of opportunity and we've course corrected um but no there's there's there hasn't been the expectation expectation is that yes, things will work. Um, and there is uh, kind of a, the old saying of like, no news is good news. Um, and sometimes that is certainly true. Now that doesn't mean that you should relax, you know, you shouldn't be cool in your heels, you should always be driving to improve and like push that technology forward as much as possible. Because um, we, we don't want to be lazy. I want, I want to get in the head of Daniel McClure for a minute. Um, so if I'm a, a I'm a service I'm responsible for service delivery within my organization, and it could be IT, I could be HR, it could be any service, and I want to start thinking about uh, now. Wait, Norman doors are good or bad? Norman doors Norman, are, are, are Norman are, are, doors are, are bad. Bad. Okay, I just I just wanted to say you want to get rid of Norman doors. Get rid uh, of them. So I so I want to think about getting rid of Norman doors within my. I mean, it's what I can control within my service delivery and within how I can impact my my customers or internal, which impacts my external customers. What what is there a? I mean, do I just look at what 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 the problems I've seen? I mean, there's got to be a little bit. Like I said, I want to get in the he- in the head of Daniel McClure for a second. How do you th- how do you, how would I start? What what advice would you give me? Talk to people. Um, the, that's going to be your most important like key indicator. Um, there's, there's, uh, there's kind of the, there's one way, uh, of, of approaching it and, and just kind of, you know, kicking back and saying like, no news is good news. Like things are not breaking. Everything is okay. We're just going to let this ride. Um, and, and, uh, too many um, people do that. 
Right. And that's, I think, I think you, you get into a very dangerous spot where you start to like rely too heavily on the technology that's in place and you're not innovating. And that's, that's that kind of like draconian, like, well, we have built this and it's working and we're not going to make any changes. Um, yeah, my, 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 my best piece of advice that I can give is talk to your key stakeholders. And that's, that, that could be anybody in the company, anybody who is a consumer of your product, um, put, put 30 minutes, uh, on their, on their calendar and just ask them how their, their team's experience with technology is. Um, and you'll be surprised, you know, there's, there's, everybody always has, you know, a, a good level of feedback to get. Uh, and if you've, if you've fostered, um, an internal culture of, uh, uh, excellence in delivering, um, that feedback is, is very healthy. You know, nobody, like I said, no, no, there's, there's no tension. There should be no ego there. You should always want to be improving and going to your stakeholders and asking them where some improvements, uh, can be made. Um, the best part about this is if you do this regularly enough with your stakeholders, uh, you will kind of gradually uh, and organically have like a seat at the table, you know, where you're brought into initiatives and people are coming to you first and you're not kind of like an afterthought. You're which, not reactive. You can be part of the, right. Right. You can be a part of the solution and not a, not a contributor to the problem. Right. Um, and that's, and so if there's like an initiative that you want to push through and something that I hear a lot from my peers is like, I just don't know how to push this through. I, I, I don't know how to get buy-in. I don't know how to do these things. Well, you, you don't just walk up to your CEO, CTO, or CFO and just say, Hey, look, I have this new thing. Uh, it costs $70 each. I want to give two to every single employee and you're a 3000 person company. And they're <laughs> like, great. Sounds good. Go, go forth. Uh, no, that's yeah, never yeah. going to happen. So if you can start right. with smaller teams and build a relationship with them and introduce ideas, you're able to run pilots and you can test and you can, you can identify, you know, what, what their improved experience is with these devices. So yeah, um, to reduce that all down, talk to people. So in your crusade to eradicate Norman doors, um, how do you, what do you look for in employees, uh, in, in your, in your staff? Is this something that you teach them? Is this something that you hire for a combination of both? Um, I share, uh, yes, yes. Um, I would say it's, it's definitely something that I like to instill, but it, it also, um, has to kind of come along with the full package. Like somebody needs to be willing to, to kind of jump on, uh, you know, jump in my gummy bear filled car and, and ride off into the sunset. Um, right. you know, uh, and, and finding, uh, really good people who, um, like genuinely care about customer service and <clears throat> providing like a best in class experience, uh, is, is incredibly important. Um, but also someone who has some, some really good technology chops and really good technical experience as well. Uh, you can, you can certainly teach tech. Um, you, you can't, you can't teach that like really driven customer experience focused individual. Um, but at the same time, you have to have kind of a good balance of, of both the tech and the, and the personality. Uh, and then internally, yeah, I, 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 
bring up Norman doors probably once a year. Um, I really get people, I, I challenge people to think about what the, what the end result is going to be. Um, I, I like to think that I, um, when, when I'm pulling a, a project apart, uh, that, you know, it's, it's kind of designed in reverse where we're saying like, what do we want the end result to be and how do we get there? Do you spend a day in the life of the end user to see what the experience is? Do you, meaning anecdotal feedback or, or, or conversations is one thing, actually seeing what's going on probably gives you more insight or not necessarily? Uh, I eat my own dog food on a regular basis. Um, I, because I don't want to, uh, to seem like I am a, in, in any way given uh, leeway. Like I, I need to follow my own process that I build. Um, <clears throat> I, uh, I, before we jumped on this call, um, we just pushed out a new process for provisioning Mac OS devices. So I, wiped my Mac OS device, uh, at home and re-enrolled it with our management platform just to see what it would be like from an end user's experience. And these are, these are all things that, uh, I'm, I'm going to be doing that shortly with, uh, windows. Um, and there's, there's plenty more opportunities. So while I don't sit, you know, uh, shoulder to shoulder on a very regular basis, um, I do, I do test out like the new stuff that were the new improvements that we're making. So at least you, you, you experience what the, what the, their experience is going to be. And so you understand and, and you have a chance to assess it and say, no, that's not good enough. We've got to fix that. Or yeah, this is, this is going to be something that's going to be worthwhile. Right. My Daniel, this was fantastic. Thank you so much for joining me today. Um, I, I didn't get to ask you about gummies. What's your favorite flavor? Ooh, um, either the red ones or the clear ones. I'm not, I'm not sure what flavors those are supposed to represent, but, uh, those are my favorite. <laughs> what flavor? It's the color. It's, it's the always sweet. the color. Yeah, the They're colors, candies, they just candies, taste candies better. don't have flavor. Candies I, don't have flavor, they have color. I feel like gummy flavor is just, it's like sugar and chewy. It's all about, again, it's all about the gumminess, but for some reasons, the, the clear ones taste better. That's great. And what kind of hot sauce? Mm, um, I, I don't mean to be trite, but I do, I do really like Sriracha. Uh, and, uh, I, I often fall back on my old classic of, uh, Louisiana hot sauce. I can't pronounce Sriracha, so I can't eat it. I, you just did. So now you can. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, this has been fantastic, Daniel. Thank you so much. And thank you all for listening. Uh, we'll catch you all on the next C4L podcast. Looking forward to continuing the conversation. All right. Thank you so much for having me. Mm-hmm.